Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Last week, I had the privilege of getting to preach at the retirement celebration of my pastor, Jay Gross, as he came to the end of 25 years and then retired today from his ministry there at West Conroe. And so it was a real blessing for me to get to be there to talk to my friend and talk to my church family and to be able to have that time with them. And so I appreciate you letting me do that. I appreciate Daryl getting to come. And, and uh, I have spent my whole life doing the best I can to surround myself with people smarter than me. And I used to think that was challenging. My wife told me one time, I don't think it's as hard as you think. But no, she's, she wouldn't say that. She's way too nice. Uh, but Daryl's just one of those guys after 14 years on the field working with uh, Muslims in closed countries as well as in the UK. I was so grateful when he came back and was able to serve on our staff because he brings a very unique perspective to the understanding that you're on mission wherever you are. And I hope that you grabbed hold of that understanding as you think about serving in this church and serving outside in this community because the Lord has something he wants you to do. And so I just want to thank you for that. And, uh, and I'm just really, uh, again, I, I got to tell you something, though. I missed you people. I mean, I did. I thought, golly, they've gotten under my skin. And, but not, not in a bad way, you know, not like a splinter, okay, but, you know, in a good way. So I'm really grateful to be back here with you today. And today as we uh, come to this time of celebration, Memorial Day, we are at the final part of the series we've been doing, This I Know, talking about the great doctrines that this church has embraced and understand. And today, we're going to talk about the doctrine of stewardship. Now, some of you said, I knew it was coming. But I'm going to ask you to do something. I ask you to relax those. I'm not coming for your wallet. I'm not coming from your wallet today. I'm coming for something so much more precious. And that is, I'm coming for your time. Because time is something that while everybody has it, not everybody uses it well. And the Bible has a lot to talk to us about in regards to time. Now, next week, we're going to be starting a series called uh, Tell Me the Story. And the children's areas of our church and its ministries have very uh, uh, graciously supplied us with information about some of their favorite Bible stories. And so as we walk through this summer, we're going to talk about some of those great Bible stories that you heard as a child. And they're going to help us with that. And uh, they've been drawing pictures and other things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to be with you next week to begin that series. But as, as we do that, I want to remind us of the day that we find ourselves in today. This is Memorial Day weekend. And for a lot of people, I, I regret the fact that for them it's a, just a three-day holiday. But Memorial Day began officially to be recognized in May of 1868 following the Civil War and literally the carnage that our nation experienced with, with just such massive casualties on both sides of that conflict. And so informally, 
people would begin to go out to the graveyards and they would decorate the graves of those that had fallen. And originally it was called Decorations Day. But then later as a nation, we came together and said, well, we're going to form this as a national holiday and it's going to be called Memorial Day and it's set aside in a recognition. Now, it's different than what we celebrate, for instance, at the 4th of July, which is the foundation of our nation, or in November with Veterans Day in which we recognize all of those that have served. Instead, Memorial Day is a time of stopping to remember those people who have given their lives actually in battle or have given their lives as a consequence of wounds sustained in battle. And I'm very aware that in a place like this, with some of the age group that I'm looking at, that I know that there's people here that you have lost a loved one. Someone, it could have been a, a mother, a father, a, a cousin, a uncle, a brother. But I just want to ask you, if, if you're here today and you have a family member that gave their life in battle or sustained wounds in battle that led to their death, would you stand? Could we recognize you? Because they can't stand. We want to see you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Before we go any further, though, let's just stop and pray. Father, I thank you for those that willingly gave themselves in battle. I'm mindful of those that are willing to do what it takes to protect the liberties which we enjoy. And Father, as we hold in trust what you have given us to be stewards over, may we be mindful that there are some things worth giving your life to. May we be mindful, Lord, of the precious gift of lives that have been given and the time they walk this earth. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In San Antonio, if you were to go to the National Cemetery, I could walk with you and I could show you the place where my father-in-law and my mother-in-law are buried. My mother-in-law lived just past 100 years. My father-in-law into his early 80s. He served this nation both in World War II, Vietnam, and in Korea. And as you go there and you look around, I'm always struck by one thing in particular, and that is the, the dates on the tombstones. And as you walk through it section to section, because you are buried there based upon the date that you pass away, you will find sections throughout that National Cemetery of people that as you do the quick math, you realize this person was only 18 years old. This person was only 20 years old. This person was in their early 30s. And you can realize as you look, as you go through that cemetery, the impact of what happens when people have a life that is cut short of what we would consider a normal timeline of life. And one of the things that I'm struck by when I, when I walked through that cemetery and I thought about as I got out of my truck this morning and even looked over at the cemetery over here is that the one thing that nobody in a cemetery ever gets more of is time. And I have been in a lot of hospital rooms 
And I have walked with families and walked with people as they went to the other side to glory. And I have never had one time, not one time, did one person rise up from their bed and say, Preacher, I wish I just had one more day so I could make one more dollar. That's never happened. But I have heard people say things like, I wish I had one more day to tell somebody about Jesus. I wish I had just one more day to tell my wife how much I love her. I wish I just had one more hour to to make a phone call to my child. I've seen that, but I have never seen anybody care about their car when they passed. I want you to think about that because time is a precious, precious gift that we are giving stewardship over. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 17, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be careful of how you use your time. Be careful of how you view your time. Now, I've, I've, been, I've been really blessed because I've had a lot of people teach me about time management through my life. My dad, very early in life, taught me a lot of lessons about time. Uh, I worked in the construction field for a number of years. And if we were supposed to get off at 4.30 and we had finished our particular work at 4.20, his response was, find a broom and sweep. Work until the time is up. Don't waste any time. He taught me a lot, of, a lot of other life lessons as well. And they proved me well because as I think about the people like Alan Lakin or Morris Perkins who created Daytime or Hiram Smith who created Franklin Planner or Stephen Covey or John Maxwell, Rick Warren, David Allen, I, I read a book about time management almost every year because I'm in a, in a work that demands good time Management. One of the things that I was asked when I came here was, how are you going to be full-time at the association and do what we need to do here? I said, on purpose. I look at my time. I'm careful with my time. I'm mindful of my time because time is a precious, precious resource. Here's the thing you need to know about time. Time is a resource that can never be repeated. When it's passed, it's gone. It can't be replaced. You can't make it up later. You can't recover it. You can't get it back. You can't restructure it. You can look at a clock, but you can't make it go faster or slower. It just goes tick, tock, tick, tock. It just happens the way it's going to happen. And it can't be redefined. I love people that say, well, I didn't give them a lot of quantity time, but I gave them quality time. Let me tell you about kids. Quantity equals quality. They need you around. They want to see you. They want to spend time with you. And so what do we do about time? Because even today, you are making evaluations about things on the basis of time. For instance, some of you are saying, is this sermon going to be too long? (laughs) Some of you might be saying, is it going to be too short? As my dad would say, you can never be too short. 
So how do we spend our time? I was reading an article by Lee Campbell about the average person lives for 79 years. This is what they said. You spend 33 years sleeping. You spend 26 years actually sleeping. You spend seven years trying to go to sleep. You spend 14 years working, 11 years in front of a screen, eight and a half in a TV, three on social media. You'll spend six years of your life eating, three years on holidays and vacation, one year. You'll spend one whole year of your life looking for stuff. You'll spend six months at stoplights, at least some of us will. You'll spend 235 days of your life in line. You'll spend 100, ladies, you will spend 136 days getting ready for the day. (laughs) Men will spend 46 days getting ready for the day. But it equals out because they spend the next 80 days waiting for the woman getting ready. (laughs) So it works out. But on average, couples will only actually spend four minutes a day talking to each other. Now, they'll spend other time talking at each other. Why didn't you? When are you going to? I thought I told, that's talking at. But as far as really heart-to-heart talking with, it's a small amount of time. All of us determine how much time we're going to spend on things in our life that will have lasting meaning and effect. We determine that. We decide that. So what does God say about time management? Well, let me just give you a few thoughts. First is, it's a mark of wisdom. It's a mark of wisdom. In the Phillips translation, Ephesians 5.15 says this. Live life with a due sense of responsibility, not as ones who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time. Matter of fact, the way we use our time defines whether or not we actually have godly wisdom. Whether we're living a wise life or a foolish life. The second is, it's an act of stewardship. In 2 Corinthians 4.2, it says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And we have been given this trust of time. If you were to allow me to look at your bank statements, I can tell you about your spending priorities. If I look at your calendar and how you use your time, I can tell you about your life priorities. What are you really giving your time to? One other thing, it can be learned. Don't ever say, I just don't know how to manage my time. You're choosing not to learn how to. You can learn how to manage your time. In Psalms 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Harvey Mackey said it like this, Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Let me ask you, what are you part of today that is of eternal value? What are you giving your time to day in, day out, week in, week out, that actually makes a difference in the kingdom of God? What have you committed to? There was a study done this year by LifeWay on the way 
people desire to serve. What was interesting, 84% of the people say their church encourages every adult to serve people not affiliated with their church. And I want you to think about it because last week you were given the opportunity to serve. You were told, hey, here's some ways to serve both inside and outside of the church. And 84% of the people said, my church does a good job of giving us that opportunity to serve. 86% of the people in church, now think about it, 86%, that's more than four out of five said this. They want to serve people in their community, not affiliated with their church, and hopefully have opportunity to tell them about the gospel. But guess how many actually did? Less than three out of ten. You see, it's one of those things where we know we ought to, and in our heart we think we should to, but we never get to the is due to a phrase. Can I use that? We don't get it done. Why that QR code flashed so fast. I will tell you, God wants you to serve. Inside this church, outside the walls of this church. But God wants you to serve. And he has given you the mandate. If you're a child of his, you have been called by God. You are an embrace as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. He wants you to engage and make a difference in the lives of other people. You don't have to say, God, you want me to love on people. God has said, go love them. Go serve them. Why is there a gap? Well, I think that one reason is people will say stuff like this. I can't find the time to do any more than I'm doing right now. I just don't have any more time. My time is just all gone. Well, I've got a solution for you. So walk with me for this minute. How can you find more time in your life for ministry? Well, let me give you three simple steps. Very first one, analyze your use of time. When's the last time you stopped and really analyzed the way that you're using your time? Remember what it says in Ephesians 5.15? Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. You know, it's been my habit. Whenever I come to a new place, I did this when I came to the association. I've done this every time I work with a new group. I work with a lot of different nonprofit profit organizations, I will ask them to join me in the journey of analyzing their time, and we'll do a time log. And so basically what we say is, okay, we want you to analyze your time in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. We prefer about a 15-minute increment, but at least no more than about one hour. Look at where you're spending your time. And I've always done this. I found it very helpful. And I always tell people, I'm not trying to find out necessarily how you're wasting time. What I want to find out is what you're spending your time on. Because sometimes I would end up looking at a staff member and saying, you're spending way too much time at the office and not at home. And I got a feeling that your wife has three little kids that all would like to see you more. And we need to talk about the 80 hours a week here is not a good investment in eternity. So let's talk that through. But once in a while, you'll see something. You'll look at somebody and go, wow, I have found two hours of your time every day that you can recover and you can use in a different way. Let's talk about how we offload some of this so you can refocus. So analyzing your use of time. I thought about that. 
when I was seeing a uh, hearing in front of Congress about two months ago about TikTok, the American CEO was in uh, being grilled by Congress about TikTok and some concerns about that. If you don't know what TikTok is, then I'm not, you don't have anything to be concerned about. But this is what they said. 150 million Americans have a TikTok account. What stunned me was they said the average adult will spend 50 plus minutes a day on TikTok. The average high school student will spend 90 minutes a day on TikTok. Now, I'm not looking for confession, but I just want to point out something. The odds are not all of that time is actually necessary. I think I can find you 30 minutes in that window pretty fast. Over the course of the average week, my lands, you're talking about three plus hours of time you could be investing in somebody else. We choose how we use our time. So that's the second point. Utilize the time that you have. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses uh 16 says, make the most of every opportunity you get. Last week, we had a QR code on the screen. That was an opportunity. Some of you said, golly, I can't believe I missed that. Don't worry, it's coming back today. (laughs) You can go to the Welcome Center. There's other places that you can volunteer. I want you to know, this ministry staff is committed that when you tell them you want to serve people, they're going to be committed to learn where you want to serve them, how you want to serve, what passions God has put in you, and how do we get you into service so that you can impact this world for the name of Jesus Christ. Make the decision to utilize your time. Proverbs 27, 1 says, don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. There's some of us that spend our time saying, tomorrow, I'm about to do something. I suggest the best indicator that tomorrow something's going to happen is today you're doing something to prepare. Waiting doesn't get you there. Intention and preparation gets you to the place where things can happen. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this, He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you don't want to do something, you can find an excuse. There's a great expression that was coined in the South. I don't know who came up with it, but I like them. This is the expression, fixing to. (laughs) Hey, take out the stretch. I'm fixing to. Have you waxed the car? I'm fixing to. Have you cleaned out the gutters? I'm fixing to. It it communicates intention without action. And it's almost like saying, boy, you just wait. Any moment now, I'm fixing to break out into a plethora of movement. It's a hollow promise. Don't let go the moment that you've been given. Charles Richards said it like this, don't be fooled by the calendar. There are only as many days in the year as you make use of. One man gets only a week's value out of a year, while another man gets a full year's value out of a week. If you were to look at your time today and you were to stop and pause, I just want to ask you, how much value, how much value does your time reflect on the things of God on what God wants you to be about 
and to be focused on. One other thing, prioritize your priorities. It says in Ephesians 5, 17, so then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Know what God's will is. Every January, I have a pastor's retreat for pastors in our association, and it's mainly focused on ones that are brand new to our association, but then after they fill up, we let other pastors from the association come. We limit it to about 12 to 14 guys because the ranch that we meet at is a ranch outside of Brady, Texas. It's a great place, about a 4,600-square-foot uh, home. It's, it's gorgeous with some bunkhouses, and it's, it's a great place to go, and they do give us a great deal because they love Jesus and want to help. And so it's just, it's a lot of fun for these guys to take a moment and just relax. Well, because it's a venue, they have in this different bedrooms. And one of the bedrooms is the bridal suite. It's in the back. It's got a fireplace. It's got this big bed in it. It's got this armoire. It's a place where you can get ready and all that for the wedding. And then in front of there's a little smaller uh, bedroom. But in the bridal suite, usually whoever gets there first and is in charge, that's what they get. I'm first. And I'm in charge. So I'm, I'm one night, we just finished everything, and I'm, I'm uh, reading an email or something with my iPad, and, you know, all the lights are out. And I feel something flutter, and I'm thinking, huh. And then I felt like I felt like wind, you know. And I kind of dismissed it, and then I felt it closer. And I thought, I'm not alone. And I'm not talking about Jesus. I was saying, I'm not alone. And so I looked up and I realized something. I had a little friend. So there was a bat that was in that bedroom. And I will tell you, I have a healthy respect for snakes and bats. I do. And so, and a few other creatures. So I got out of the bedroom, shut the door, and went and slept in the couch. And so the next morning, the guys were asking me about it. And I explained what happened. And one of the guys says, oh, I can take care of this for you. I'm a bat guy. I know what to do. I said, okay. So they go in there for about 45 minutes or whatever. They come back out and they said, we think we're done. I said, what does that mean? <laughs> well, we found it and we shooed it and we opened up the door to the outside and we really do think that it's gone out. I said, okay, let's have that moment in the courtroom where you put your hand on the Bible. Are you telling me it's gone or you think it's gone? They said, well, we think. I said, well, Batman, I'm not going back in there so I know it's gone. Because I've just seen way too many Boris Karloff movies, you know. I'm just, in my mind just, you know, would be rolling through. And so that next night, I went in there and I saw that little bat. I saw where it was. And I was able to help liberate it from its perch and get out the door. But I'm going to tell you, the entire time that I was laying in that bed, all I could think of was, I just don't want this bat to get friendly. <laughs> I was so distracted, I couldn't think of anything else. And I thought about the way I am sometimes in my own life when things get kind of messy and things are happening, and I find myself with my mind just full of this distraction instead of being focused on what God wants me to get focused on. I will tell you, the enemy doesn't care how he trips you up as long as he can trip you up. And you can be distracted by bad things. You can be distracted by good things. The critical thing is 
Don't let your life be ruled by distractions that keep you from God's main thing. In Psalms 90, 12, it says, teach us, Lord, to number our days. You know, the first time I read this Ephesians 5 passage, it was in the King James Version, and it says it like this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I thought what an interesting phrasing that God is using in his passage about redeeming the time. It literally means ransom the time. It means pay the price to keep your time to, to what God wants it to be. Redeem it. Pay that price. And I will tell you, if you're going to live a life that is full and intentional and it's going to be full of ministry and the opportunity to see God work in your life, it's going to be on purpose and not by accident. You must make that choice. Redeem the time. To get time back on purpose. And what's interesting, it's the same phrasing that's used in the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, But then when time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of son. And you know, that's what Jesus did for us. He redeemed us. He ransomed us by his shed blood. By his perfect sacrifice. He bought us back. And because of what he did for me, and because of what he did for you, it's just not, it's not unreasonable for him to look at us and say, you were bought with a price. Your life is not your own. So you live for me. Your time, once you become a child of God, is his time. Does my time reflect the relationship that I'm in? Does it reflect those priorities? And so that's the question I want to ask you today is have you come to the place in your life in which you have let Jesus Christ redeem you? Where you have embraced him as your Lord and Savior? Because until you do that, you can't know the full blessing and benefits of what it means to be a Christ follower. He loves you that way. He wants you to walk with him that way. But, but then if you are a child of God, would you say that your time is being redeemed and being ransomed and that you're paying the price to make sure that you get to be part of those things which God wants you to be part of? I mentioned to you that that serve QR was going to show back up, and here it is. Because we want you to know that you have the opportunity still to volunteer to serve. And can I give you one place that everybody could serve and do well? And that is in the area of Vacation Bible School. I love Vacation Bible School. Some of you met my mother when she was here a couple of weeks ago. My mother came to know Jesus because a church drove an old van down to the, uh, the dock area where her, where her parents' trailer was and picked her up and took her to Vacation Bible School. I can't tell you how many people I have met that have told me at Vacation Bible School, I met Jesus. So I just want to ask you, would you be part of Vacation Bible School? You might say, I don't know that I'm a people person. Okay, we'll put you in the parking lot. We'll let you do this. Okay? But you got to smile while you do it. 
okay? Or put on a face mask and tell people you're immune sensitive, and we'll, we'll go with that, okay? Some of you say, well, I, I'm just not really sure I know how to talk to children. Fine, carry a tray of snacks, okay? We can give you a job. That's not the issue. Here, here's the thing. Children matter to the Lord, we need to invest our time in them. I was talking to our deacons, and I told them what I'm going to tell you right now. I'm taking a week of vacation so I can be at this church during vacation Bible school every day. Because there is nothing we're going to do all year that, in my mind, is as important as vacation Bible school. Now, listen, I'm a preacher. I love Easter. But I am passionate about vacation Bible school. Because I know how many children meet Jesus and how many families are impacted because people give of themselves to make a difference in the life of a child. And so maybe one, there was a day that you had a bad experience with vacation Bible school. You didn't like the punch. Your cookie was too crumbly. Whatever it is, you just come on back. I guarantee you a moist cookie and good punch. It'll be fine. But where does God want you to serve? You might say, well, I want to serve outside the community. That's fine. We've got multiple places you can serve outside of this community. Some of you might say, no, I'm more of a church person. Okay, find you a place to serve. Some of you might say, well, I'm infirm. I don't know. I can't really get around anymore. How can I serve? Man, we'll sign you up for the prayer support group. You know, one of the greatest blessings I've had since I come here is the knowledge that people are praying for me by name. Man, it means the world to me. And I can tell. I promise you, I can tell the difference. That was probably one of the three things I missed when I left the pastorate was knowing people were praying for me by name. I just want you to hear, God loves you. God sent his son to save you. And God owns your watch. Is it ticking for him? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you have used and given us the opportunity to demonstrate a commitment with our time. Father, it's a precious resource, and we ask you, Lord, that we would take it seriously and that, God, we'd allow our time to be used by you for your glory. Now, Father, you know every person in this room. You know what they're facing. You know the challenges that are ahead of them. And, Father, I pray that you would give them clarity about what you want them to do now. For some, it would be to embrace, Lord Jesus, your saving grace into their heart. For others, it would be to follow you in baptism or to be faithful in becoming part of the church family. Or being called into ministry, God, that you've asked that they would give their life fully over to you to be used in called Christian service. It could be that like Daryl and Terry and Daryl speaking to us last week, you're calling them to be faithful to go as missionaries around the world. But God, whatever it is you have spoken to them, may they say yes to you in the precious and holy name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.